And hello from Boise, Idaho and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education policy and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. We had snow, we had ice, we had sleet, we had melting, and we had the legislature coming to town. Lots of forces of nature coming together uh, this week. And uh, Clark, you and I spent pretty much the whole week at the State House watching the first week of the session unfold. And of course, it began with the governor's State of the State address on Monday and his budget. Um, why don't you break down some of the numbers? Yeah, this is going to kind of be our uh, our standard operating procedure for the uh, up to next three months or so. We're going to be based out of the State House every day. But legislative session kicked off, as you know by now, on Monday with Governor Otter's State of the State address. It was about a half-hour speech, and I was about 10, min- 10 feet away from the governor. Uh, while he delivered it. And uh, as in the last couple of years, Kevin, something that you've noticed, the governor built his speech around education, saying that education was his top priority. Uh, The speech went for about 31 minutes. It was a fairly optimistic uh, speech. And and, uh, so what the governor did uh, is he also released his budget blueprint at that time, and he called for increasing public school funding for the next budget year by 6.4%. That's similar, although slightly less, than what Superintendent of Public Instruction Sherry Ybarra proposed when she released her budget early on September 1st. Uh, she actually called for a 6.7% increase. And there's a few there's a few important differences mm-hmm. uh, between their budgets when we talk about specific priorities for how to handle discretionary funding for the superintendent versus health care, right. costs for the governor, the technology, uh, funding breakdown is a little bit different. But I wanted to point little out... Little difference in literacy. Little difference in literacy. I wanted to point out that their main focus, they are uh, on the same page, and that would be the third and most expensive year of teacher raises under the legislature's signature uh, teacher pay law that's called the career ladder that was passed back in 2015. Both Governor Otter and Superintendent Ybarra called for spending $58 million this next year to increase uh, teacher pay and benefits through the career ladder. And that was kind of, it was sort of a foregone conclusion because when they passed the career ladder uh, in 2015, they outlined a five-year plan to increase uh, funding uh, for teacher pay to help re- retain and, and, and attract and recruit quality teachers to the state of Idaho. But the whole backdrop, and this even came up in the State of the State address, was the accountability piece mm-hmm. that the legislature <laughs> built into the career letter, which is the um, teacher evaluations and the teacher evaluations controversy that we've been talking about uh, for a year and a half, uh, going on two years at this point. The governor and House leadership said that the accountability piece clearly is not ready to go, as evidenced by the teacher evaluations controversy, but they will not be going another year without that accountability. Mm -hmm. So the governor kicked off the session, uh, put the focus squarely on education right away. The big initiative within education this year is the $58 million for teacher raises. That's just a proposal, obviously, at this point. It has to go through the budget-setting process um, and, and be approved by the legislature as a whole if that is to happen. So this is just the very first steps of a longer process to set this massive $3.5 billion state budget. Right, Kevin? Well, yeah, and, and the evaluations piece, uh, as it shows up in the governor's budget, a couple of things that I found kind of significant. First of all, the $2.5 million that he's uh, talking about in his budget for, uh, for evaluation training 
The money goes to the State Board of Education. It doesn't go to uh, Sharia Barra's shop. That's not really surprising because the legislature last year moved all of that responsibility from Ibarra's uh, State Department of Education to the State Board. So that's consistent with... And Ibarra's office seemed okay with that. They they seemed fine with that. And so that's not necessarily a surprise or a departure. But what, what I did find to be a bit of a departure is that when you break it down, what the governor was talking about with this training, this $2.5 million in training, is he wants training for administrators in how they conduct evaluations. Correct. And that's a different nuance in this whole thing. You know, you've spent 18 months on this story, so you know it much better than I do. But the, the crux of the problem over the past 18 months has been bad data coming into the state, inconsistent data, inaccurate data, sometimes deliberately. So the governor is suggesting that there's a, a more fundamental problem here that superintendents and administrators don't know how to do evaluations properly, uh, do them with uh, with fidelity, and that he wants training in that regard. So I found that a little bit uh, a little bit different and, and significant. Yeah, and that was also another difference between uh, the governor's budget request and the superintendent's. The superintendent did not uh, include that line item for $2.5 million for training through the State Board of Education. So that's another um, small difference. And this will keep coming up. We're going to see the next round of teacher evaluation audit uh, data audited or reviewed, whichever word you prefer, uh, by mid-February. And that's the 2015-2016 teacher evaluations. Those have already been completed and turned into the state. And that's an important year because that's the first year in this upcoming three-year window where... A teacher's ability to earn a raise directly hinges on them to demonstrate proficiency over this three-year period, starting with the 2015-16 teacher evaluations. So it's going to keep coming up. I know it feels like we talk about this and dwell on this a lot, but it's a major issue for the state, for the governor to include it in his state of the state address and and to call it out uh, and set aside money for training. It's a major issue, and it will continue to be a major issue. Yeah, and it's a big deal to the governor uh, if you kind of – read the tone not just of his speech, but uh, the tone of his uh, press conference afterwards. You know, I was kind of struck with the speech that a lot of it was staying the course. You know, he, he uh, the governor talked a lot about how we're coming out of this sort of change election at the national level and how it, uh, how it illustrates frustration with politics, uh, not just at the federal level, but you can uh, extend that to the states. But when you get down to what the governor proposed in his uh, state of the state, uh, really not many big initiatives or big surprises or reforms that uh, would seem to be a reaction to what you saw at the polls. Uh, he didn't talk much about taxes, uh, kind of left a lot of that to the legislature, didn't really propose a path forward on health care, uh, kind of leaving that to figure out what happens at the federal level, didn't address transportation issues that he acknowledges are a, a problem, highway issues. And on K-12, again, uh, pretty much continuation of the five-year plan from his task force. And I asked, uh, where is the the change here? Where is the reform or anything transformative in in this speech or in this agenda? And when I asked that at the press conference, the first thing he went to, the one thing he went to was, well, one of the big changes we're making is this accountability piece as far as the teacher salary. So this is a this is a big deal to the governor, and it's going to be probably a big deal to a lot of legislators. I think it's a little early to say that this is a potential deal breaker on the $58 million. Um, long way to go. I think there's still 
a lot of sentiment towards figuring out how to make this thing work and, and get the money uh, appropriated for teacher pay. We'll see. You're, Interesting you're, first week. You're exactly right. The governor did concede that it could be, in his words, a heavy lift to get the full $58 million. Uh, for teacher salaries this year. But he also, like you said, uh, that was a great point, Kevin, about kind of a continuation of some of the things that had been started over the last few years. The governor did specifically point out that one of his major goals was to continue the implementation of these task force recommendations that were issued, I believe, in the summer of 2013, thereabouts. Uh, and mm-hmm. and uh, yep. that was a major focus of the governor's. One thing we one thing that was a major task force recommendation that we sort of hear less and less about, and I didn't catch much, if any, in the state of the state, was this far-reaching recommendation to transform Idaho into a mastery-based system of education. I haven't heard as much about that uh, lately, but that was definitely one of the um, task force recommendations. But as and you I s- suspect it falls into that whole larger issue of reviewing the funding formula. Yeah. And I suspect you're going to see a lot of maybe punting on difficult funding reforms, funding changes while that committee does its work. I think that's probably, uh, you know, that could well be a factor on this whole mastery-based education because that really changes the way you, you carve up money. Sure, it does. And, and we've already gotten signals uh, from House Education Chairwoman Julie Van Orden, uh, newly promoted to head up the House Education Committee. She said sort of between... Uh, letting the interim funding committee do its work and waiting to see what the Trump administration comes out with in terms of its initiatives. Uh, Let's kind of fulfill our obligations that we started over the last several years, take stock of where we are, and then maybe in 2018 we'll be in a position to, uh, to tackle some more reform. But like you said, the first week of the legislative session is in the books, but not without controversy. Right off the bat from what legislative leaders and, gov- and the governor said they were hoping was a short and sweet legislative session. We didn't get four days into this without a major blow-up, right, No, Kevin? this was a remarkable blow-up, very unusual situation. Heather Scott is starting her second term in the legislature. She has uh, definitely uh, be, been a polarizing figure in, in the legislature and in state politics, and that really came to a... Uh, you know, came to the forefront this week, uh, published reports about remarks that uh, Heather Scott had made about fellow uh, women in the legislature, suggesting that you know women can only advance in leadership in the legislature if they, uh, you, know, you know, in exchange for sexual favors. That comment didn't go over well with uh, legislators of either gender. And um, the reaction on Thursday from House Speaker Scott Bedke was, was swift and it was very unusual. He removed Heather Scott from her three House committees. What this means is uh, Heather Scott is still a legislator. She is still involved in floor activity. She will vote on bills when they hit the floor. But that committee work, she's not going to be involved with. Um, What does this mean for K-12? Well, what's interesting in terms of the K-12 angle of it is um, Heather Scott was not a member of House Education. So that's that's not where you see a change. She's not you know, have a, an empty seat at, at House Education out of this. But Representative Scott and Ron Nate, a Republican from Rexburg, were talking last week and released a list last week of a, of a variety of uh, reforms, a variety of uh, proposals that they want to push in this next legislative session, calling it a freedom agenda. 
a lot of stuff in terms of K-12 from repealing Common Core, repealing the SBAC test yep. that's aligned to Common Core, getting rid of all standardized tests, you know. Which would be guns, illegal. But... Well, well <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot here that raises some, some legal and the constitutional The Blaine Amendment questions. that we've talked about. Uh, trying to tweak the Blaine Amendment, um, which addresses and really outlaws the use of public money to support church-run schools. Gun safety in the schools. I mean, it is a long laundry list of issues. Now, Heather Scott can still try to bring legislation. She is not stripped of that uh, of that authority or that uh, of that or that privilege. But it's going to be really hard if you're not in a committee to advance a bill. And you know, she has kind of become a, a marginalized backbencher in the legislature. So. I think a lot of these proposals were kind of far-fetched and kind of long shots anyway. Right. Uh, we've seen some of these proposals before from the SBAC to the Blaine Amendment, and they haven't gotten very far anyway. So I would imagine that a lot of these uh, fairly far-reaching ideas about uh, political reform from the right uh, probably not going to happen in the House this year, especially at least as far as Heather Scott being a driver. Sure, no. But, but I want to talk about a couple of things that we're watching that may very well come up this legislative session. And, and one thing I noticed is uh, this kind of happens early in every legislative session. The first two, three weeks are dedicated to this nuanced rulemaking process. We actually saw a constitutional amendment uh, that passed on the November ballot related uh, to this rulemaking process. It, it, it gets into the weeds at times, but it can be very important. And one of the things I'm going to watch for is legislators on the House Education Committee, as they dive into rulemaking, uh, are expecting to take a look at uh, several academic standards um, this year through the rulemaking process. One of those, perhaps, will be another look at newly proposed science standards. Last year, the science standards were a source of controversy in the legislature. Uh, the legislature rejected the proposed science standards with very little public debate or explanation, although there were these sort of rumblings about lawmakers' concerns about language uh, addressing human Climate impact change, on the environment, the age and creation of the universe, yeah. those sorts of things. Um, without a whole lot of fanfare, the state board uh, and Governor Otter approved temporary science standards in December and, and, and earlier this month. They're actually in effect right now that probably few people realized uh, until this week. Those are set to expire at the end of the legislative session if the legislature does not uh, extend them or approve them. Um, the standards, we've published a link to the standards, uh, and you can go through and read them. They're 75 pages, um, and uh, it's going to be up to the legislature. So the legislature can either reject them, revise them, uh, or extend them. And if they do extend them, uh, well, likely whatever happens, the State Board of Education, State Department of Education are likely to develop more permanent standards over the next year, which would then go back to the twenty. 18 legislative sessions. So that's on tap in perhaps the next two weeks. We also no, move into A lot the, of the complaint about this whole rule process last year was legislators feeling like this was, the process was short-circuited. There wasn't enough involvement in, in this process. So that's what even, they said. Well, yeah, that was their stated opposition. And, and, you know, I think there were more philosophical opposition uh, underneath the surface, at least. So this is going to be a slow process, even if this uh, temporary rule becomes a quasi-permanent one-year rule. Uh, it's going to take a while to uh, to play this thing out. And that may be good for some school districts if they're looking to ramp up, if they're looking to uh, 
uh, move into this slowly and, and get accustomed to it, provide some training. There's going to be some time there before uh, these standards are really fully implemented. And so that may be a good thing for school districts that are already wary about uh, constant change and, and a push and pull from the legislature. So they may be able to use this time to study the standards, study the proposals, and ramp up to it. So Look for the rulemaking process to dominate the next two to three weeks of the legislative session. Committees are going to be getting busy. We're going to move into the budget hearing um, uh, process, the budget setting process. Look for Superintendent Ibarra uh, to make her budget presentation January 26th. And look for a little different format uh, that kind of... Uh, de-emphasizes the agency directors and emphasizes these nonpartisan uh, budget analysts. Um, look for that to, to be a little bit more of a of a factor this and, year and in the budget. It's interesting. I mean, it's a little bit of a calling out of the agency heads and the elected officials. Um, basically, what the budget committee is saying is we weren't getting enough nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes, dollars and cents information from you all. We were getting PowerPoints and you know, pretty uh, pretty slides and everything, and we want to know numbers, so we're going to have the numbers folks who are on the state's payroll help us understand the the numbers and the cost of these proposals. So Yeah, I talked to Senator Sean Keogh, uh, one of the powerful co-chairwomen of the Joint Budget Committee, and Senator Keogh told me it was all about increasing transparency and avoiding surprises for legislators, the public, and the press when the actual budget is set. Um, so we'll watch for that. That'll, that'll be interesting uh, as we get into these next several weeks of the legislative session. You and I will be there uh, every day. But uh, outside the legislative session, there's a lot going on, uh, even though not much going on at schools. Can you explain real quickly? Yeah, and we saw this going on in the Treasure Valley, and, and it went on across much of the state. This has been a crazy winter in terms of weather, all sorts of uh, you know, record snow on the ground in Boise, extreme cold followed by warm and melting and it's just you know kind of you know pick your hashtag stormageddon you know snowpocalypse whatever but it's it's been a serious issue for schools across the state lots of cancellations uh, lots of uh, lots of postponements so our uh, Devin Bodkin has uh, been following this thing very closely this week uh, talking about how administrators are scrambling to figure out what to do with the schedule, try to make sure that uh, instructional hours are met, you know, state uh, requirements on instructional hours are complied with, and teachers are trying to figure out how to sort of retool their lesson plans and make sure the kids who are basically have been out of school now for the better part of a month can get back up to speed, especially more at-risk students. Uh, how do you sort of avoid a real slide in terms of academic performance? So Good coverage on that, so check all of that out at idahoednews.org, and I'm sure Devin will keep one eye on the weather here in the next uh, week and beyond to uh, see what uh, see what happens in terms of uh, our schools in session, our schools not in session, and how our district's dealing with all of this. A lot going on inside and outside of the State House. We will be back next week inside the State House all week, and we'll be back Friday with a new edition of Extra Credit to summarize the second week of the legislative session and let you know if it was better than the first week. Uh, in the meantime... It'll be newsy. I don't know if it'll be as newsy or as, or as fiery, but we'll see. We'll be there for it regardless. In the meantime, uh, have a great week. Thanks for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week. <laughs>